talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. This is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, where we're actually uh, under a different Brotherly Love Podcast podcast. But we'll save that for another time. My name is Joe O'Donnell, for those of you that don't know. And John Mita is my co-host and always my first guest to introduce. John Mita, it's great to talk to you. How are you today? I'm um, just great, Joe. I'm <laughs> just great. You know, it's just... Let's cut the crap. There is nothing worse than watching this football team every week. But mm. we'll get into it. Oh, we will. We will, my friend. Glad to be with you here on the Brother of the Love podcast after another disheartening, dysfunctional, and disappointing Eagles loss 22-17 to in Cleveland. Back-to-back losses for the Birds. And we can count down the days until we know they won't be in first place anymore, so we can stop with that pretty much just straight-up dumb theme of the season so far, the message from the head coach that they still have stuff to play for. We can cut all that garbage out because on Thursday when the Cowgirls play the Washington football team. One of them most likely will win, although they could tie. And when one of them wins, they will surpass the Eagles and officially be in first place in the NFC least. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Love Podcast, where we try to be active. Today's episode, we will talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, their draft, and free agency. We'll get John Mita's takes on those. Plenty of conversation on the birds, though, because it was just pathetic again. I'll have a couple of stats of the day for you. We will rant on the Birds' loss, Doug Peterson's painful press conferences, and more. But we'll start with a couple of questions here, Johnny Mita. And uh, one or both of us can answer these. I don't really care how we work it, but uh, I'll start off with this for you, my friend. Again, 22-17 loss. It was awful in all phases. Again, when do the Eagles get their next win? Now, me personally, I'm hoping um, the 2021 season. You are you are in tank and draft status, aren't you? I am because I mean, what what games in the next? What what chance do they have at winning any of these next games? <laughs> I mean, if you're perfectly, I mean, you look at their football team. Like, will they cover? Will they cover this week's spread? Next week's spread? Will they no, even cover? No, I mean they're like three in their ten games are like three and seven against the numbers. So no, and now and probably the. Probably one of them was the 49ers win because they might have been an underdog yeah, by a hair. Exactly. I don't think they definitely didn't. Uh, they might have covered the Cowboys spread because of that uh, late touchdown on the scoop and score by Rodney McLeod. Exactly. So those would be two I would think of. I don't know. Maybe they cover the Steelers or Ravens. The Ravens probably because they lost by two. Well, Dallas maybe, right? No. No. Well, yeah, yeah, Dallas. I said Dallas on the scoop and score by McLeod. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. To cover. Yeah. And probably the Ravens game because they lost the two-point conversion would have tied it when they had that late rally. So yeah. they probably covered that one. Yeah. Um, all right, so if you don't think they're going to win again or you hope they don't win again, I'll go, I'll just jump right to the next question because I don't have an answer for you on that first one. I don't know if they win another game this year. There's nothing in the proof. You know, the proof's not in the pudding as far as them being a good team or putting it together. It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been 10 weeks now, so – uh, I don't know when their next win's coming. Who's the best team in the NFC East right now? I don't know. It might be now Dallas. It's either Dallas or Washington. The John, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you talk about a coin flip. You need a four-sided coin. I mean, <laughs> I, I literally have no idea. Um, listen, Dallas, I think, probably has the most talent in the division. Yeah, but they should have been dead and buried. Right, and – they were able to come back and, and beat a Minnesota team. Not a great Minnesota team, but um, it was still an impressive victory to, to, to come back late and win that football game. So right now I think it comes down between Dallas and Washington. I, I just I still don't know about the Giants. I mean, they play hard, but I just – I don't think they have a talent. Um, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, Washington could be the the, the NFC East sleeper. So it's I, – I have no idea, to be honest. A couple weeks ago, I thought Washington was the team that was going to give the Eagles the most trouble because they were in a lot of games, and their defense is pretty solid. And And then the Giants, with the way they won back-to-back games, including convincingly over the Eagles going into their bye, I thought, well – you know what? The Giants are the team the Eagles are going to have to contend with. And then you watch the Cowboys yesterday play better defensively. Not great, but better. And Andy Dalton, you know, as Dallas comes off its bye, they just seem to have a renewed sense of energy. They played with some swagger. And Dalton didn't screw it up too bad. So then you're like, huh, how the hell can this team actually win the division? But if five wins is all it's going to take or six wins, Dallas could get there. Dallas hasn't played the Bengals yet, I don't think. That's a win now, you would imagine, with Joe Burrow out. I don't think they played Cleveland yet. Cleveland stinks. We saw that yesterday, yet the Eagles still couldn't get it done. Uh, And if Dallas wins another division game, that would give them six. So, who knows? Uh, Listen, at the end of the day, if the Eagles won this division, I was going to take all of my, you know, all my Fly Eagles Fly fandom and I was going to shove it right up every other fan's you-know-what. Because I don't care. You know what? Like, you're going to win the – you know, uh, four wins, five wins, six – they're going to be in the playoffs. <laughs> anybody that's not in the playoffs, I don't want to hear from. And and now it's like – it's looking like the Eagles probably won't win the division. And to think that one of these other fan bases that we despise so much is going to get, I, I guess, the somewhat satisfaction of being in the playoffs – that to me, like I haven't even come to grips with that yet, and that's going to take a while um, because it's pathetic, it's embarrassing, and the city of Philadelphia deserves better. Uh, and it could be the case again if the Eagles don't win the division, it hits like 15 or 16 straight years of no repeat winners in the NFC East, which is just insanity. But these are probably conversations for more down the road. My last question for you, John Mita, and uh, you know my answer to this because we talked about it earlier before we started here today on the Brotherly Love podcast. Who should start for the Eagles at quarterback against Seattle on Monday Night Football? Uh, I mean, yesterday was the first time that I – I'm a huge Wentz supporter, as everyone knows on this podcast and everyone that – well, my friends know that. But right now, I just think he's benched. But if you hear the way Dog – or um, that he's just mentally shot, if you hear the way Doug talks about it, he doesn't sound like he thinks Hertz is ready. So maybe Nate Sudfeld should get the call next week <laughs> out, you know, because we can't start Josh McCown because he's now with the Houston Texans. But um, it, it's it's brutal. I, I mean, I, I don't – again, though, it, it's so hard for me to say that this is Carson Wentz's, Carson Wentz's fault because I just – Oh, man, I just – their offense and the receivers don't get open. I just – I mean, I'm just dumbfounded. John, John Mita, we're, we're, we're nearing like 100 – almost 200 episodes together. Yeah. Okay? And this is by far the worst Eagles team since we started the podcast, which I believe was 2016. Yeah. Uh, Might have been a touch before that, so that last year of Andy Reid's team was maybe in there. Um, But this – or excuse me, Chip Kelly's last year. Uh, but th- this is by far the worst team that we've seen in a long time. Uh, maybe since we can remember, you know, you could definitely argue that this is one of the worst teams that we've seen since we've been of age to remember seasons and games and players and moments and all that stuff. But I will say this, as we near 200 episodes together, my friend, I don't remember a time in the first eight minutes of a podcast where you have been more flabbergasted, uh, more... Uh, as you said, like at a loss. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that, that you know, we come on here, we're expecting opinions and takes, and we're going to be fired up. And I think both of us right now, like most of the fan base, are just at a loss for just how bad this team is and how quickly they got so bad. I mean, again, go back to the, the offseason, the expectations. You know, winning the last four games last year to salvage the season. Wentz is going to host a playoff game, and this is it. Then he goes out, what, four plays in, and then it's like, well, you know what? They never had a chance because Josh McCown was the quarterback. So you're like, all right, run it back. Like, 
here we go, Deshaun's healthy, then Brandon Brooks gets hurt, and it's like the pandemic hits, and the, and the football world for the Eagles just came to a, a crashing halt. I mean, since then, it's been a disaster. Everything's been a disaster. No preseason, no OTAs, really, or full, you know, full training camp. And this team looks like they lack all of that. I'm at the point now, and I'll answer the question here in a second. I'm at the point now where I am in complete belief that the only thing to fix Carson Wentz is a full offseason. A complete offseason, the reset, relax, prepare, practice, get his fundamentals right. And that might have to be with a different coaching staff. I don't even know that answer yet. But he needs an entire offseason and and just pray to God as Eagles fans that he figures it out. Now, to answer the question, I think Jalen Hurts should start. You know, if I was making the decisions, I would start him. And I don't know if he's ready. And I don't know if he's any good. But here's my thing. What the hell else are you trying to do? Like, what are your other options? And for the first time yesterday, I started to think about not just pulling him in-game for a couple series or a half, or, but literally, he should not start on Monday night. And, you know, I had a theory that I gave to you after our last podcast before the Eagles took the field against the Browns on Sunday, and I don't know why I started thinking about this. And I would never root this on anybody. I want to make that very clear. I would never root this on anybody, especially on a team that I pull for so loyally. But the best thing for the Eagles is for Carson Wentz to get hurt because they're not going to pull him, it doesn't sound like. They're not going to bench him. And as an organization, they need to figure this out. They need to see what is going on, what the real problem is. Again, I feel terrible saying this, but a Wentz injury is going to help us see what the real problem is. Is it the coach? Is it the quarterback? Do they just lack talent? And I think you need to see Jalen Hurts three to four games to evaluate him. If he plays well, can you trade him? If he plays well, do you move Wentz? If he stinks, well, then I guess we have a little bit of an answer. And maybe playing Jalen Hurts forces Doug Peterson to commit to the run more and create a more aggressive passing attack out of the pocket. These are just my thoughts. Again, I don't wish it upon anybody. But if they're not going to bench him, the only way this organization is going to have any clarity moving forward, in my opinion, is that Jalen Hurts starts to play. Yeah, I mean, he, listen, their offensive line is – and that's a whole nother issue. I, I mean, that the fact that Doug continues to throw Jason Peters out there, it, it just – it's just gross negligence. It's it's ridiculous. It's unfair. To it the is team. unfair to the team because you're not pay, you're not playing the best players right now, and, and that is a shame. Right. But then he's going to the media and he's telling everybody he's playing the best right. players, which is just you know. Be, Nate Herbig. He was asked about Nate Herbig today. Did you listen to the press oh yeah. conference? What a beauty that was. He couldn't even oh, recall. We'll get there in a second. I don't second. know if anyone remembers oh. this. He couldn't recall why he didn't call the timeout at the end of the first half. If anyone remembers this, right? They get a sack by Josh Sweat. It's like a minute, 45 seconds to go in the game. It's like, all right, Doug, call timeout. All right, call timeout, call timeout. No timeout called. Boom, one second left, timeout's called. I'm like, oh, now you're going to call timeout? It turns out that Cleveland called the timeout. Then they eventually right. get the ball back, and then they do their usual nice three and out at 28 seconds. Looks like uh, Chip Kelly 2.0 there. But it's just – I'm so angry. I'm so frustrated. And they got the ball back at their own 38. I'm so frustrated with great the coaching field position. Staff. It's 7 nothing. And, and I agree with you, Joe. Yeah. Maybe the only way Carson Wentz does sit down is if, if he does get hurt. But he definitely needs a full reset. And I, I like the reset – the entire coaching staff, because they suck. They really stink. Every level. Every level. I'm getting so sick and tired of seeing guys like, apparently they're, they're apparently the defensive backs are coached not to look and turn for the football. And yesterday, Vontae Maddox commits his terrible pass oh. interference play. If he turns around, the football is in his lap. But don't you think... Don't you think opposing teams know that, that, that they're, they're just taught to just play the man 
And, and why not throw balls up in the air? Because you're probably going to get pass interference called seven out of ten times. Which is, again, frustrating as hell. Why aren't the Eagles? What happened to the deep shots? They haven't thrown a ball down yeah. the sideline in a one-on-one. No double weeks. moves. I see all look these the, guys. Look at the comeback. I see all these guys around the league, all these receivers running double moves. Selling, I mean, and when people run these double moves, I mean, they are leaving the corners behind by five yards, making those like wide-open throws. We do none of that. And this all, to me, comes down to coaching, a lot of it. It comes down to everyone's like, what do you think their struggles are? Honest to God, I think a lot of it is coaching and scheme on both sides of the football. And we were talking about players, the best players aren't on the field that should play. Jalen Mills should never play again for this football team. He got roasted yesterday. Rosa, there was one play, he's like 20, playing a 20 yards off from the receiver. I'm like, is this receiver Randy Moss? Who, why is he playing so deep? I can't take it anymore. I can't. Just like you said, the insanity quote, that, that's what it's like. That, it's like, it's like I'm living in like a mental ward or something, watching the same crap over and over. No creativity with the offense. And, and the pass, like, they've run the football like 18 times in the first half and then like seven to nine times in the second half. Keep in mind. Oh, I got that. I got that for you. Ready for that? God. Miles Sanders yesterday, first half, 14 rushes, 62 yards. Obviously, the cost yeah. of the fumble. Second half, Miles Sanders, two rushes. Two rushes. Two rushes. The guy is gashing. In the second half. I know he fumbled the football, but here's what you do, right? This is what... By the way, that was from uh, at the Philly pod on Twitter. Victor Williams at the Philly pod. Got to give him, give him props. All for right, Uncle Vic. Dogs. How about this one? This one comes from, this stat comes from uh, Andy, caller to all, both sports shows. Andy from Deptford. In the last four games, the Eagles are 11 and 53 on third down conversions. What? Oof. What are you dialing up on third downs? Like it can't, they can't be this bad, or maybe they are this bad. I, I can't take it, Joe. Somebody, I, I listen. We would never promote any type of drug use on the Bradley Love podcast, <laughs> but I'll tell you what: is Xanax watching the uh, football game might be able to do some wonders for my nerves. I can't, I can't do it anymore with this squad. I can't. It's so bad. The coaching is so bad. So bad. We are so deficient what an, what an... in so many positions. And then you just see guys that were like on this foot. Like Nelson Aguilar has like six touchdowns. We don't have – we have total wide receivers is what, eight? You sent me that yesterday? Is that you that sent me that? Somebody sent me that. Is that you? Yep, eight total, eight total touchdowns, um, and right. And but here, is, here's uh, the other thing: with people don't realize, everyone's like, "God damn, you know, Carson, he's holding the ball, he's holding the ball, he's not throwing it, he's 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 not throwing it." Like, why is he doing that? Well, a lot of times, man, these receivers are getting zero separation, and separation falls on the receiver itself to get the separation, but it also comes into scheming, putting guys in different positions. Like, for example. Devonta Adams again, one of the best receivers in the game. But yesterday they they throw him in the slot to just create a matchup problem, and he just came up big every time. Like you don't see any of that. They don't get Jalen Rieger in space. He's supposed to be the next coming of Tyree Kill. You know, has this blazing forty time, and we don't get this guy in space. It's just oh god, I, I just I can't. John Mita, you want want me to really push you over the edge? I looked this up for sure. him at the bed last night because it was driving Please. me crazy. I this, to sure this, I new, this podcast should be called the Over the Edge Podcast, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> Jalen Reger, you want to know what his rushing stats for the year are in four games? Sure. One rush for six yards. You've One handed rush. the guy that you took in the first round. Yeah that you took in the first round and sold everybody on everything he could do. And you've given him the ball once. John Meade, you want to know what Jalen Reger's punt return stats oh, are for the year? Four please games? Please give them to me. 
Two punt returns, John Mita, for you guessed it, six yards. He's had two fair catches. So he's not even back there all the time. And I'm going to go from A to B here. I'm done with Greg Ward as a punt returner. Talk about no feel for the position, no explosiveness, and no reason to be back there. If Jalen Reger can't fair catch the ball, you should have never drafted him, let alone in the first round. And if he can fair catch the ball, put his ass back there because Greg Ward is clueless. Back-to-back games now where the punt return units can't catch the ball. They let it bounce with no feel for where that ball is going to be. Like, your job is to field it if you're at the 10 or above, and then you're supposed to let it land, right? But you also, I would imagine, have to have some sense that if it bounces and it looks like it's going to just sit there, that maybe you could grab it and go forward for a yard or two, or maybe you just fall on the ball, or maybe it's going to, you know, you're going to catch it at the eight instead of the 10, but you just have a feel for the fact that if you don't, they have three guys that are going to down the damn ball. And there has been none of that. And I can't stand it anymore. So again, Jalen Reger, Mr. All-World, you know, track star. He can do it all. Game-breaking ability. One rush in four games. Two punt returns in four games. What the hell are they doing? I know he's been hurt, hence the four games. But dear God, give the guy the football. He has 12 catches. That's it. Our first-round pick has 12 catches. Our second-round pick has thrown two passes. Good job, Howie Rose. I know we got off track, but we were going to get there at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it, it's it, it's just like, what what do they think? And, and for me... I, one rollout. One rollout called for Carson Wentz after Doug said... Right, after Jeff McCrane. Yeah, was pressed yeah. About it last and, and, and again, is he... Like, one thing that I found out about Doug is, like, he gets a little snippy with these reporters. Like, is he that stubborn that, like, yeah. he doesn't want to roll him out because then maybe it would prove that... Um, Listen, if he's that... If he is that... Um, immature if he's that like caddy then like he's got no business being the profession he's in yeah. let's be honest and and like in addition to getting Carson Wentz on the move can we throw a slant oh my god oh my god the Eagles oh my god passing game oh my is god the worst. oh my god I can't believe you just brought that up I'm watching the game with a couple friends I'm like could we ever run a slant pa- I I see slants all the time in the NFL no, none of, none of our players run slants. It's either like like nine routes where you go straight down the field, or it's like comebacks. That's it. That's it. That's all they run. I'm like, I mean, I mean, it's did insane. the lack of preseason and just not getting the time? I mean, did that hamper this team that much? I mean, I don't know, but it's um, it's embarrassing. It, it's. Two straight weeks, John Mita, where the running game has just evaporated. Absolutely evaporated. And, again, and, 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 and here's what I'm convinced of. Defenses are, are making adjustments, right? The Eagles said they were making adjustments. Miles Sanders talked about it, how the Browns linebackers started to fill gaps as the game moved along because they were getting gashed by the Eagles' running game. So where's the Eagles' answer? Last year... The year before, and I wanted to look this up and didn't have time, so my apologies, but I will dig this up. I'm almost certain that I was giving the Eagles credit for being a good team and adjusting. I used to, You and I talked about it in this podcast. I liked when the Eagles would kick off to start the game because it always felt like they came out. They were slow to adjust in-game, which we've talked about a lot, but at halftime they seemed to make their changes and get things going. This team starts slower than ever before. And literally does nothing to change it. And if the other, if the players are realizing what's going on, why aren't the coaches doing something about it? It's unfathomable. I mean, it's unfathomable. Like, the run game is working. A, you get away from it. And then B, it seems like the other team adjusts. And all I see in the second half of games are these slow developing, like, sweeps. Go up the middle. Miles Sanders was gouging them. With those one cut runs and getting yeah, the behind the guards, yeah, and, and just, no, I know. And 
And then it seems like all of a sudden, you know, he wants to run all these delays and things to the outside and bounce it outside. No, that's not working. And if, if they do take away the run by filling the gaps with linebackers, Jesus Christ, can we get a play-action pass where you actually fit to the running back and not an invisible <sighs> running know. back? And maybe bootleg out? Like, what is so hard to understand? The first pass of the game, I saw this on Twitter today, was that beautiful ball to Goddard for 22 yards. Wentz was on the move. Goddard leaked behind the linebackers. It was pitch and catch. That was like the second or third play of the game. They ran it, ran it. Nice play. They're moving the ball. I know the Sanders fumble killed him. Yeah, but I, I mean, that, and, yeah, and, but and true. But then, was, you know, good coaches, they go right back to him. They just, you know, just go right back to him. And, and Peterson has used that logic on Wentz when he's throwing interceptions. I heard him in a press conference two weeks ago talk about, well, you want to get it back to him. You know, you want to give right. the ball back to him. And, you know, Mike Holmgren taught me that. Well, then why aren't you doing that? I don't get it, man. This team is so lost. And I I really, really believe, I really believe that there are plays to be made out there. Okay? Wentz has missed some throws. He's too risky. He has no awareness in the pocket at times. But he still, this is a quarterback that was top 10 in the league a couple years ago. And arguably top 10. Listen, I mean, look, yeah, just like look at his stats from last year. 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and he threw for over 4,000 yards. Like, how could this guy regress this much? And again, again, it's, you know, now he's got his 10th offensive line combination in 10 weeks, which is just crazy. I get it. Listen, no quarterback. Miles Garrett didn't even play yesterday, Or or they they, they probably would have given up 20 sacks. I know. No quarterback could survive what Wentz has been put through, especially this season. Okay? I've said it before. I'll say it again. When you pressure quarterbacks, it doesn't matter who they are. They run into trouble. They lose confidence. They start to get a little happy feet. They start to rush passes. They start to get hit. Wentz has been hit 99 times this year and sacked 40. Think about that. Think about getting hit by some of the biggest, strongest athletes on the planet that many times a lot of times you can't protect yourself you're following through on a throw you're scrambling out you get hit on your blind side who the hell would continue to stand back there and have success find me somebody because i don't believe it so listen wentz is stunk okay i wouldn't play him monday night i'd start hurts but carson wentz is the franchise quarterback i believe in carson wentz i think he's a hell of a quarterback but he's broken right now and he needs a reset button to use your term but with the receivers they have that can't win one-on-one consistently enough and the offensive line they have that can't protect cleanly enough and the lack of a running game and the lack of any form, and I mean any form of creativity from this offense, you couple that with a quarterback that's now shell-shocked, what the hell do you think you're going to get? A bad football team. And the defense can't bail them out and the special teams can't bail them out and that means three phases that are average at best, you stink. And that's the bottom line. Great first drive, ends in a fumble. Hmm. I mean, like, really? I wanted to scream. I wanted to smash the flat screen. But it was so typical. It was so typical. And that's the way this football team has been all year. You know, quarter good, three quarters bad. Two drives good, you know the defense is going to screw it up. Like, it is just, you could literally write the script before the game and watch it play out. Because it's the same script every week, you know? To have some success yep. with the run, then they go away from him. Then they get pass happy. Then he's always got to pass 40 times in a game. Like, why? It's unnecessary. You don't have to if you design your plays and your scheme properly. It's just he sh- – listen, I love everything Doug has, has done. He was the first you know coach to win the Super Bowl. Listen, he'll always be that guy. But to be honest, I think these last couple of years – He's been exposed. And I'm not telling you the guy's not a good motivator. He doesn't get his guy. It looks like still nobody's quitting on this team. These players still play hard for him. I think he can do everything. Yeah, but, but it's, that's fading. But, it, it, but it's, he, it, but it's headed that's that That's fading, but my man. The thing is this. Yeah. Then it's real simple, okay? He needs to eat some damn humble pie, okay? 
And yep. there was an offense coordinator. They wanted Graham Harrell, who's like, you know, the next college, you know, innovative mind, kind of like Carolina brought Joe Brady from LSU in. He looked like he might be in the running for a head coaching position pretty soon, even though he's only you know, been the OC in, in a pro offense for one year. But he's got to relinquish the play calling duties, period, period. And just fine. I'm just not a good play caller. It's okay. But if you're winning games and that offensive play, you know, maybe you'll learn something. But it, it, it's just, they're off. I've never seen an offense in NFL history with what you talked about before the lack of creativity, the imagine They do nothing. Like I'm watching the Rams right now. The Rams had everyone lined up. It looks like they're going to run the ball off tackle. What did they do? They bootlegged Jarek off out. They had the tight end run across the formation. Boom, seven-yard dump. They get a first down. They're moving the chains. Like, there's none of that. Apparently, in 2017, when they were so successful, they were, um, you know, doing a lot of preset motion. Apparently, that has all faded away and gone by the wayside. If they fake one and not run it, they, I regular, know. I'm gonna, oh, my God. Oh, I know. Who, who were you fooling? If you've literally never run it, who are you fooling? It's like they're setting it up for later in the game and then it never comes. Dude, this guy is so lost as a coach when the fit. Look, I don't expect him to tell the media everything. I've said that before. I don't think the fans know more than these coaches. I get it. But when literally, literally every single Eagles fan, is feeling the same way, saying the same things, thinking the same things, and knowing where the problems are, which is a lot of them, then you have a real problem. Like, we're not that dumb of a fan base. You listen to sports talk radio, nine out of ten callers are exact are saying the exact same thing as the host. This has got to change. That's got to change. They are begging this organization to make a change, and they refuse to through ten weeks. Like, at, coming out of the bye was the perfect time. Didn't do it. Got embarrassed, quite frankly. Going into a game where it's pissing rain all day, it's windy, it's miserable, and you're dropping back 41 times. 41 times he dropped back to throw the ball. And he's had no success. Hello? What are we doing? What are we doing? Who are you fooling on fake jet sweeps? play action bootlegs when no back is back there it's unbelievable what'd you think of the jump what, ball what, to alshon jeffrey what what, what play call 207 was that? ago jump up for a prayer living on a prayer uh, good effort though missed time this jump he usually never missed time and then didn't even he, put his it, hands it, up he pulled uh, his dude, hands he down this football team again again why he's even seeing the field right now i'll tell you why money did you did money you the question in the press conference no, stop. Which one? It's got to be Jeff McClain. Yes. Why, why is he on this he goes, football team? Uh, well, they took my they, – they, they took – somebody took my last yeah, it was two Jeff, questions. Like, he had two questions. Yeah, it was Jeff McClain. Yeah. And then he goes, why is yeah. Alshon on this team? Right. And then he just stopped. And Doug paused for like 10 seconds. <laughs> what do you mean why is he on the team? It's like – Actually, we're all thinking that, Doug. Why is he on the team? I'm serious when I said it yesterday. I like I want to have Caroline Merlot take off the Super Bowl patch on my Alshon jersey, and then like it's either gonna go to goodwill or it's gonna end up in a fire. Like I take the Super Bowl patch off so I can have some memories, but Alshon, talk about absolutely tainting your legacy with the birds. It, it, it's bad. Dude, it's and bad. then the uh, the other one over the middle, he should have had that's a catch he usually makes, and he kind of alligator armed it. Funny you say that because somebody called it yeah. 97.5. Apparently, like Tyrone Johnson predicted that Alshon, if he saw the ball, he would alligator arm it. And the guy asked him, What what, what did he want to play lottery number wise? Which was hysterical. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it was just a bad effort, dude. Like two minutes to go. You know, I, I know you, you need a miracle, but you're down there near the goal line. You just got a gift of a penalty. And I don't like, you know, what's amazing. If this team was any good, 
we'd be we'd be up in arms right now as a fan base about that fumble by Mayfield that they called for yeah. progress. It been it would have been like the clear it would have been like the clear possession fumble yeah. against Dallas oh, yeah, a couple yeah, years back. Yeah, clear yeah. recovery. Remember where Grugier Hill ended up with a ball and they're like no clear and the game was never the you know, yeah. it was early in the game, opening yeah. kickoff, Dallas ends up winning, and the whole fan base is like, Well, we got screwed. Nobody's talking about that Baker Mayfield play today. It's yeah, mentioned, but oh, nobody's right, that's not really the storyline even close. It's again, it, because the well, team stinks. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was a huge play. It gave them a chance to go up, you know, two two scores. But it didn't matter. No one cared. Because at the end of the day, they stink. Yeah. We're getting what yeah. we deserve, man. The safety. Uh, it's it's safety inexcusable for him horrible. to just eat that and take a sack. I mean, that's just big And They had nobody on the nose tackle for first down. What was – when they stopped Kareem Hunt at the goal yeah. line, okay, they ran a sneak, and they got three yards on first down to get some breathing room. Why not sneak again on first down in that next situation when you're, no, when you're backed up that. to your end zone? They didn't have anybody over the center. Here's the thing that's killing me. And, again, I don't know – I don't know any of this stuff, all right? I'm just talking to you here on the Brother Love podcast. But if you're Carson Wentz and you line up and you see nobody over the center, can't you just change that at the line to well, sneak well, and say hike and fall well, forward that, eight feet? Listen. Can't you can't you take a look to the left of the formation and see the cornerback off 10 yards and just look at Rager or yeah. Ward or whoever the hell's out there, yeah. give him a little tap on the helmet throw and it, just snap it like and throw it to him? Route. Every team in the yeah. league gets easy completions. Every team in the league gets these easy completions when the cornerbacks are playing off. Teams oh. do it to us all the time. The Eagles defensive backs are 12 yards deep. It's a six-yard pass. Like, why do I see this on a television in Waukee, Iowa, and the and the guy making millions no, of dollars I'm, can't figure I'm, it out. I'm with it. And it's any time that he checks out of, you know, when he kill kills, kill kills, it always gets killed during running play, not a different type of pass play. I mean, yeah. their signaling is just so predictable. It's the whole thing. It's just, just blow this thing up. <laughs> I mean, just seriously, a hard reset. I'm. But John Mita, they, they, well, they can't. They can't well, their cap, their cap situ- situation. There's sixty well, million yeah, over the cap. There's production. a lot of problems there. I agree, and, and hence why just having terrible draft classes sets your football teams back for so many years. But, but amen. Yeah, anything well, positive. Listen, you know what's funny? I'm glad you're going to bring that positive. up. Okay. All right, here we go. A little like positivity about go the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles. Okay. All right, I saw this. All right, All right you ready? Let's go. Come All on, right. I'm ready. For those that don't probably want to watch the game next week, there's a great documentary on Amazon.com, and it's all about the 2017 <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. And the title is so fitting, and we could probably use it right now, and it's called Maybe Next Year. So if anyone has not seen that, Joe, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at that. I bought it. There's some great feel-good stories about some of the diehard Eagles fans um, in the region. and what it was like to go through that season, how, you know, they're on fire. They're the best football team in the league. And then Carson Wentz injury. And then can Nick Foles be the savior? And it's, uh, it's, it's great. It, it's, it's well done. So, you know, John, I mean, I meant positivity about the football team um, or maybe what you saw yesterday. And you just yeah. gave me a documentary. Um, Do you have anything uh, on the football team that's worth a damn? And by the way, Travis Fulgham, can we get him off witness yeah, protection? Well, yeah. Um, Please. Okay. Positive. Hmm. Um, oh, oh, well, they made a special teams play yesterday, Joe. They they, they blocked the field ah, goal. Ah, they did. Or, or was that an extra point? No. I had just it, got done. It was, it was a field goal. I just got done calling Derek Barnett soft, one-dimensional, and dirty when he was laying on the yeah. ground writhing what in happened? pain after that fumble. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, I, I thought just, you were going to bring news like that like, he, like, tore something. <laughs> oh, okay. No, 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 no. Yeah, you know, Barnett was – he was yeah, riding yeah, yeah. in pain after the fumble recovery. Right, right, uh, right. Cox knocked it out, and and he limped off the field, and I was like – Right, then he went off the Barnett. field, and then he's the one that blocked him. He, right, the, he's – Put his mid he up He came there. back and actually gotcha. he proved he wasn't as soft as I thought. 
Um, but my gosh, what a, just oh, what a train wreck. Um, all right, do you want stat of the day, or should we talk for a minute about Doug Peterson's okay. painful press yeah, conferences? Yeah, I mean, go for it. Give me another great stat for this football team. There's just a... This is yes. for my guy, Rube. I got two of them. Through 10 games, Wentz has had a passer rating under 80 seven times. That's the most by an Eagles quarterback through 10 games. So passer rating under 80 seven times in 10 games. The most by an Eagles quarterback through 10 games since who? Wait, say that again now? He's had what? Say that one more time. Okay. Okay. Passer rating. Okay. Passer rating under 80 seven times in 10 games. That's the most in a, through 10 games since which Eagles quarterback. Now, this was a stat. I'm turning into a question because it, the uh, answer is just right living. before your eyes. It's got to be Doug Peterson. <laughs> yes, it is, John Mita. There you 1999, go. There you Peterson, go. eight. That might eight be the one thing they have in common. rating under eight. <laughs> hey, then Peterson should know it's time to go to the bench. Yeah. That's when they put McNabb Absolutely. in. And that's why I coined the nickname Poopy Peterson, because I hated the 1999 season. I hated it with a passion. I hated Peterson's face where he had no emotion, and he looked poopy all the time because he stunk. He was not a quarterback that should have been in the NFL. He was keeping the seat warm for McNabb. They sat him down eventually. Thank yeah, that's, I, that was a tough stretch of games to <sighs> just sit through. But All right, so that stat turned into a question of the day. Right. Here is my stat of the day. And this is, you better buckle up. This is from Pro Football Reference, okay? They track everything. Only two quarterbacks in the Pro Football Reference database. I don't know how far back they go, but it's... It's extensive. Only two quarterbacks have a game with two plus, two or more interceptions, five or more sacks, a fumble, a pick six, and a safety. Oh, and a partridge and a pear tree. Add that in there. Carson Wentz against the Browns and the other quarterback with two or more picks, five or more sacks, a fumble, a pick six, and a safety in the same game. 2003, Jay Fiedler against the Patriots. I'm guessing oh, yeah. he was playing for the Dolphins that day. So that, that, I mean, that shows you just what a terrible game Carson Wentz had yesterday. From the sacks to the fumble. I mean, basically two quarterbacks in 17 years to have a game that yeah. pathetic. It was, uh, it was tragic. I Unbelievable. Agree. Tragic. All right. You, you sound like you're ready for the Sixers. You ready for the Sixers? Well, I mean, what, I what are you going to talk about Doug's press conference? Go ahead. Oh. Yeah, yeah, just just painful, okay? All I hear is a bunch of excuses, okay? He, here are a couple of his, his candid quotes he's been going with lately. Uh, I addressed this on the radio earlier. Heard that one today, and I've heard it before. Like, like, we care that he went on WIP and tried to act like a tough guy. Like, I could care less about that. Uh, hearing a lot of, quote, a lot that needs to be fixed, end quote. Uh, he's rattling off every position. Could get better. Uh, we got to block better. We got to catch better. We got to scheme better. I got to coach better. The quarterback's got to make – shut up. I don't care anymore. Well, fix nothing it. changes fix week it. to week, so he can say whatever he wants. He's problem. like, oh, I'm pissed off this week, Angelo. Like, yeah, well, your your football right. team didn't play pissed yeah. off yesterday. And even Carson, he's got to get a little pissed nope. off. I know, listen, he's into the Bible game and whatever. You know, probably doesn't want to curse, but – Show some more emotion than, you know. B-Doc never cursed, and he played with plenty of emotion. And, you know, he just puts the jacket on and takes the tablet and sits on the bench. That's all he ever does. I saw somebody on Twitter the other day be like, wow, look at this, a coach and a quarterback talking on the bench. Well, Press Taylor, you know, he was When was the last time you saw Peterson and Wentz? Yeah, exactly. The quarterback, coach, and passing game coordinator, not even in Cleveland. Did you see improvement? I was hoping for improvement yeah. yesterday so I could be like, yeah. found the problem, fire Press Taylor. They were oh, just Press as Taylor bad, if not worse. Really, you know, impressed anyone here. Yeah. yeah. 
By the way, Jason Kelsey, he gets a game ball. <laughs> that guy's a warrior. Uh, Miles Sanders quoted saying he's the toughest SOB on the team. There was talk today on uh, sports radio that when he's given the chance to take an optional practice, he still suits up and practices. Um, Jason Kelsey, don't uh, listen. He he got crushed last week for the bad snaps, and rightfully so. But honestly, with the guards getting obliterated on a regular basis, wouldn't you be trying to get yeah. a jump on the snap too? If you're Kelsey, you know, trying to snap, you know, for not focusing so much on the snap as it is to get your ass in gear to help out those terrible guards on either side of you. I mean, Kelsey battles his balls off. So I don't want to hear anything about Jason Kelsey. And listen, I mean, this isn't a newsflash. He's going to retire after this year. So the Eagles are going to have a big-time issue at center. Oh, and just one more thing. When he got hurt, went out of the game, why the hell – was I, I thought Sayamalo was the center in the making. I, I, I thought Sayamalo was the replacement of Kelsey at some point. Why did a guy? How, how about, how about the guy in? you never even heard of? I go, who's 95 with the long hair? Nick Chubb just literally stiff armed him. Joe Osmond. Joe Osmond? Yeah. Stiff armed the guy the into, into yeah. oblivion, man. I was like, who? I was like, yeah, who's he sent him to Akron. Oh, no. Then he got oh, up no. and made the tackle. <laughs> he got up and went ran fifty yards got, downfield with the tackle. He did. He did. Funny. Because you want to know why? Four other guys oh, missed him, including oh, Avante Maddox, who literally right now Avante Maddox is a QB five on, on any other team right now. I mean, a CB five. Like he's. We have no CB two. Yeah. That's the other problem. We got Slay, and then there's everybody else. I mean, it's bad. This team is. Lacking it's bad, talent. and there's no, there's no confidence. Nope. Nobody's playing with swagger. No, but a lot yeah. of it's mental, John. Meade. I believe that so much of this team was in the playoffs last well, you know, year. They have no confidence right now, right? And it's exactly like like Ike Reese said it when he started his show today on WIP. You go all the way down the field, and Sanders fumbles the ball, and it's like that. Here we go again. You can't shake that. You need somebody. Somebody's got to make a play, and then the next guy's going to make a play. You got to follow it up with three or four plays and get some damn confidence going. Anytime they get anything going, it's like, what's it going to be? A penalty? Is it going to be a turnover? Is it going to be an injury? Like those are the three, or a sack. Those are the things that are going to happen, or a big play against. Those are the five things: penalty, turnover, sack, injury, big play against. Those are the five things you might as well just wait for when this team kicks off because they're happening. Yeah. It's awful. All right, I'm sorry. All right. To the same, Here's some please. positive news. Give us something okay. positive. Okay, and hopefully John team. Middleton yeah. and the uh, Phillies brass are listening as they gave that fit. No, I said positive. Do not bring up the Phillies. Do not. You're going to make me sick. All Give right, well, as Sixers. you know, the Sixers uh, rebuilt their whole coaching staff in the offseason with Doc Rivers and plugging all these good assistants from different parts of the uh, country during the uh, pandemic. And then the Sixers were able to lasso in the white whale of general managers, and they hired Daryl Morey, who also planned on taking some time off. But apparently, if you pay someone $10 million for five years, it has an effect to change one's mind. But anyway, let's get to the Sixers. So Daryl Morey has been here for, I don't know, less than a month. And essentially, he has... Re talk about a reset. This guy is the king of reset. If we're really going to use that theme term tonight, so the first thing he does is he trades Danny Green or he trades Al Horford. Goodbye. See you later, Tito. Al Horford to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then he finds a way to get back Danny Green. So unbelievable move. You finally get an older veteran type of shooter. Now, granted, Danny Green's not really in the prime of his career. But the fact that you were able to unload Al Horford and that albatross of a contract, big ups. Again, so if you look at the Sixers, he, he says that he's been trying to get, like, it seems like everyone's like, oh, they're going to trade for James Horn. Is he going to keep Ben and Joe together? It looks like his plan is to keep them together, but to, to surround them with shooters. Because we all know in Houston, nobody liked to shoot the three-pointer more than the Houston Rockets. So... 
Then what he does is he trades Josh Richardson to Dallas and it's in a pick and a second round pick and acquires the services of Seth Curry. Seth Curry career wise has a better three point percentage than I think his brother Steph does. He shoots it career wise like 45 percent. So boom, now he nails two shooters from the yep. draft. This team was lacking firepower. They were lacking other scoring when it could have come from essentially Joel Embiid. Simmons obviously could give you his general 17 a night. But then what I really liked what they did was in the draft. They made some great headway in the draft. So 21 overall pick. Obviously, I was a huge fan of Sadiq Bay. He ends up going 19 to Brooklyn. But the best player on the board at the time was Tyrese Maxey. He's a 6'3 combo guard from the University of Kentucky. Now, if you look at it, Kentucky has always thrown out decent pro players. Essentially, they always have like three to five, you know, freshmen drafted each year. And I think I saw something on Twitter was crazy. It's like John Calipari's players in the NBA have made over like $2.9 billion or something with contracts. So anyway, I'm really excited about him. He averages 14 points a game. Jesus. He can shoot the ball. He's a great defender. I mean, he. It, I mean, he's not like a blazer, but maybe this is the answer to the plan when they were drafting Markel Fultz as far as that combo guard, somebody that could play with Ben Simmons in that backcourt. Then they trade their first second round, picked away obviously to get Seth Curry, Seth Curry, which was a great move. Also happens to be Doc Rivers' son-in-law. And then they drafted Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe from Arkansas. He's a 6'5 shooting guard, about 190 pounds, averages 17 points a game. If anybody YouTubes the highlights of Isaiah Joe, again, he's a 38% uh, career three-point shooter. This guy can just flat-out stroke the rock. What I like about him is he's got mid-range game. He can create off the dribble and get his own shot. He, he's got unlimited range from the three-point area. I think this is a guy that could grow in a couple of years and really be, really be maybe a steal just because the guy just looks like he has it. He's also a decent defender. Then they went 6'9", forward Paul Reed from University of DePaul. Got to see this guy play a lot because I watch a lot of the Big East Conference because I'm a huge Nova fan, obviously. Another guy, he's kind of very raw offensively, still averaged 14 points, 10 rebounds a game. But you're going to need a guy like this to guard some of the wing players that you're going to have to guard. So love what they did in the draft. Love it. This is the first time I can honestly say that I love the Sixers draft. It only took me, I don't know, 30 years. So I do like <laughs> Well, let me, let me ask you, John Mita, because – because you know Maury's on the draw on the job for a few weeks, so obviously he's got to trust what the scouts are telling him and the analytical department and all those things. Elton Brand, but at some point, you know, do you think it was Maury? If you had yes. a guess, Maury pulled the trigger on all these. Like you now, Maxi may have been right. a no-brainer because he was highly rated and kind of dropped. Yeah, but I'll, the other two guys, you think? Yeah, it's Maury, I, I think. Or do you think the yeah, scouts are like here? Here's Maury. A, B, and Paul C. Paul Reed reminds you know? me; he's kind of like a smaller version of PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker, who we had in Houston. Um, obviously, PJ Tucker can shoot the ball a lot better, but um, very similar type player. So, no, yeah, I think you know basically they needed to get some firepower, and by bringing in Danny. And tell me about tell me about this Terrence Ferguson. Well, yeah, Ferguson he was part guy, of that. Right? Part of the deal that um, Al Horford again, another another young wing player can shoot it a little bit, but again, they had to rebuild their bench. If you looked at the Sixers bench last year, they were horrendous. I mean, so bad. So I think they're getting rid of everybody, which I would have got rid of Venom. The only person I would have kept on their bench from last year is Alex Burks. Everyone, see you later. Furcon Korkmaz, it's been real. Oh, and we did another talk about this other colossal move they made, which was just essentially just getting a bad player off the basketball team. But no more Zaire Smith. Zaire Smith was also traded to the Detroit Pistons for a center from North Carolina guy by the name of Tony Bradley, who will be the third-string center, if not be demoted to the D-League, and then maybe never be heard from again. But 
you got rid of Zaire's uh, first round contract. So I guess that's good. Um, so, <laughs> and then they also signed Dwight Howard to back up Joel B, which I thought was another good move. It came so cheap. Especially since he um, came so cheap. And he, he kind of had a nice year with the Lakers backing. So, you know, backing up Anthony Davis. So, this guy has undone everything that Elton Brand put in place in a matter of three weeks. It's incredible. So I'm really excited. Now, keep in mind, this is the crazy thing. The season, the season starts, um, the, the, the season, exactly, like, set, like literally like a, a month, month from today. I think their training camp starts in like a week or two. So it, 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 I'm excited because obviously this football team is like – going down like the Titanic right now. And at least this will give us something to cheer about. And, and who knows, there might be another move in the making. Another move that I was thinking about is if you traded Tobias Harris and Matisse Thibel, and maybe some first round draft picks could get, could that get you the shooting guard from Washington, Bradley Beal, who I think would be a tremendous fit, but just throwing out some hearsay, but, uh, well, I just saw read, read a piece today that, uh, or uh, sorry, Daryl Morey was on ninety seven five the fanatic today, and I guess he talked a lot about how Doc Rivers tends to um, he wants to employ Tobias Harris like he did well, when he was coaching the Clippers, and, and yeah, Harris was been, out yeah. there as sort of a three four, and use some good matchups, pick and roll ball, and uh, I, I think stuff that wasn't Brett Brown's coaching difference. philosophy. This is going to be you're going to see it. It's going to be way different. I mean, way different, and I think. Because, I mean, Brett Brown, offensively, I, I never liked anything that they did, to, to be perfectly honest. So, I'm excited. John Mita, why one more thing for me sure. on the Sixers for you as we wrap up the Brotherly Love podcast. Why are you convinced? Look, the whole city's on board. All right? Yeah, we have a tend to do this, mm-hmm. tendency to do this as a city, and why wouldn't we? You know, a team makes a couple of moves, everybody loves it. Uh, they're back. Why? Why are you convinced the Sixers will be, you know, I mar- think number more one than marginally better there. than a year ago? Will be the number one reason. Uh, number two, I like some of the veteran pieces that they brought in, and like a guy like Danny Green that's that's been in you know the NBA Finals for many years. Another veteran, Seth Curry. Just more professionals. And we'll see. Again, it's going to come down to, listen, as much as they can bring in all these pieces around them, you know, is Joel Embiid going to be committed to getting himself in the shape that he needs to be in? Is Ben Simmons going to be committed to improving his free throw percentage by like four or five points? I mean, you know, that type of stuff can be done. And... And, and we'll see if that happens, but I, I just – I don't know. I just think the coaching staff is going to be the biggest thing. But already, I mean, just rebuilding the roster in this team, they never had shooters. Look at when they were – look at when they were really successful with Ben Simmons and B. Like, when they had Ilyasova and Bargnani, Redick, they had shooters around. Redick. Ben Simmons has the highest, what, three-point – like he is the most three, yeah, most assist to three point, yeah. second Kick highest out. assist to three point ratio in the entire NBA. Well, now you give him some shooters because, like, clearly he doesn't want to shoot. So the best remedy, all right, if Ben Simmons doesn't want to shoot, to yeah. just surround all these guys with shooters, even surrounded B with shooters, it's going to make a huge difference. So I, I'm excited. I, I'm excited because yep. it looks like they have some firepower. They'll have some firepower off the bench. They got rid of some dead weight, and uh, I'm excited, man. I, I think everybody should be excited, and you're going to see. You're going to see a, the big difference, I think, but we'll see. It's And, again, this is, again, another crazy offseason because they don't really have training camp preseason. It's going to be another interesting you – know, the season's now shortened to, like, 72 games. So, But uh, it, it's going to be interesting. But I'm, I'm, I'm excited. John, I appreciate the insight on the Sixers yeah. as we wrap up here. People with are now like, an hour-long yeah. Brother Love podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. 
But um, all right, so this might be the first time where we really don't predict the Eagles to win a football game all night. How do they keep it close? And uh, does DK Metcalf catch a long bomb for a touchdown in the first quarter like I'm expecting that comes off play action? Yeah, I mean, I mean. How do they keep it close? Well, they're, they're the only or way don't, to. Or maybe they just don't. Yeah, <laughs> That's well, fine. I mean, Seattle has scored over 30 points in seven out of their 10 games this year. The Eagles have scored zero. Uh, I mean, zero 30 point, 30 points in zero games this season. How do they keep it close? They got to find a way to yeah. put pressure on Russell Wilson through their defense. Their defensive line has to play extraordinary well, and they have to run the damn football because the offense can't score if you can control the play clock. But if we get pass happy again, good night, Irene. We might all be going to bed by 10 o'clock at night. I'd like to see the following. I love how you I'd just like said that, by the way. I'd like, I mean, quit. so monotone. I'd like to see the uh, Oh, God. That's where we are. Let's yep. say I'd like to see the Cheer. following, John Mader. I'd like to see the following. I'd like to see a slant pattern. passes from the quarterback. Yes. Okay. That starts with scheme. I'd like to see a defensive or special teams touchdown. I'd like to see four sacks or more of Russell Wilson. And I'd like to see DK Metcalf not be able to play in the game because of some out of control uh-huh. reason. <laughs> That's about the well, only way they have a chance in this football game. Maybe Metcalf misses the team well, flight, here, beats somebody up in practice. Well, here's the, uh, gets here's the deal. I, don't I, know. I know one way we could get them out, you know, with the conspiracy theories and how, con- how crazy our damn country is right now. Maybe we could um, – Give them a, a positive COVID yeah, test on game day. And then, yeah, yeah they, they go, too. right, like right. Positive, we don't so want to wish really COVID on anybody. We're not condoning that. We don't want to get blackballed here, people. But you never know. That, that yeah. Not, I'm, yeah. you know, if he could not play. So a false positive for Metcalf, maybe Wilson – uh, there you go. Take out. Well, we, I think hotel, we got to put that on their plane. Service. I don't even know if they're even. Uh, <laughs> maybe Doug. Maybe Doug go. can't make the game. Uh, he gets stuck in traffic. Do, Did you just say stuck coach. in traffic? Maybe that'll. Did you just say stuck in traffic? <laughs> Do you know he gave that? I did say reasons? stuck in traffic. I'm okay. All right. Okay. Oh yeah, I heard that. Yeah. I heard that. Oh. I did hear that. That wasn't the reason I said, but I did hear yeah. that. He said that's one of the differences this year. Is uh, so they have a lot of virtual meetings, so they don't have to worry. Well, no, about then there was stuck in traffic. apparently they had some issues coming with the, people coming to the practice getting yeah. stuck in traffic. Um, well, I know he right, said it, which was a is kind of funny gave, because like everybody's been locked down and well, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, I hope they keep it close. I hope they don't embarrass us on national television, but I'm expecting the worst. Again, defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, one or the other, four sacks or more on Wilson, and a quick passing game. Maybe, just maybe yeah. by the stroke of the football yeah. Jesuses, they hang around and they uh, they make it a game for us, and at least make it enjoyable. I mean, that's talking to a lot of friends, but you've been yeah, doing they're the one of the worst fun football to watch teams right. to watch. It's not on a fun football team to watch. Period. Like it's not even close. Like it's not even close. Yeah, John, oh, like give that. me something like you're thankful that. for. Like uh, thankful for us. Something thankful is, uh, for. Um, you know, in this crappy year of 2020, I think the one thankful thing that I'm really thankful for is, uh, you know, the surgery that I had, losing over 108 pounds. You know, my brother getting me in touch with his good friend that did the surgery. Um, you know, getting my health in check after uh, a wild ride of 40 years. So that's where I am, you know, to all my friends and family. I mean, I feel like I have some of the best friends in the world. And, you know, right now I, you know, both my parents have passed away. I've, you know, had some stuff going, but, you know, I don't know where I'd be without all my friends and family and all their, 
for unconditional love and support. So those are the two things that I'm most thankful for. How about you? That's a great question. You know, my, you know what, Joe? My brother asked that question, you know, to to his kids, like, every night at dinner. It was like something that we did in our house when we lived together. And he goes, and he goes around the table to all his kids. And I think that's just such a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, where we are with this world and everything else that's going on, I think we need to do more of that. But go ahead, brother. I want to hear your thankfulness. You know, I might implement something like that. I'm glad you mentioned that, that Mike Mita did, does that or did that or all the above. I think that's, uh, you know what? That's that's something that you can. We we, we also did that. Just, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to be a better bet. parent, Joe, but because I don't have children. But he also does. You know, he asks his kids every day. You know, when he's with them, he says, "You know, what'd you learn in school today? One thing. Name one thing you learned in school today." So, which I think again. Okay. Yeah, right. I tried that. Yeah, they don't it doesn't answer. work for everyone. <laughs> but I could stay with it. I could stay with it. Um, I think, you know, one of the things in this COVID crazy world that uh, I have come to appreciate is I feel like I've stayed in contact more with a lot of friends and family that I I might not have otherwise, Uh, whether that's, you know, FaceTime calls or house party calls or just checking in on people, Um, you know, get busy during hockey season and sometimes don't make that extra call or send that extra text or certainly wouldn't be FaceTiming a lot of folks and, and now, you know, for 10 months, you know, my old H-Town crew, for lack of a better term, our crew has been pretty much getting together every Friday night and having a couple beers and just chopping it up. And uh, that is something that uh, I appreciate, I value, and I hope continues. And on top of that, you know, I'm going to be home for Thanksgiving for the first time in probably a while. Um with no game, no travel, none of that stuff. Not home in Philly, unfortunately, but um, just to be able to hang here with the family that day on Thanksgiving will be special and uh, sit around, have a couple cold ones and watch some football. Uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that very much. But uh, appreciate everybody for tuning in. As always, you know, we're nearing 2,000 clicks since we switched over to the Anchor platform. Yeah, and, happy uh, Thanksgiving to thank all, all of our loyal listeners and everyone across the world. And, uh you know what? If you want to have a party more than 10 people, I just say screw it and do it. Hopefully that doesn't get me banned, but whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I love it. Shout out to uh shout out to Jacob Joseph O'Donnell, who has been listening nice. to the Brother Love podcast, uh John Mita. Um he takes his speaker and an extra old iPhone up to the shower every time he takes a shower the last, like, I don't know, two months. He's been listening to random episodes cool. or getting caught up on the latest episodes. So um, I want to give him a shout out. I like sure it. He'll be and I don't know if my brother is ever going to listen to this, but and, maybe I can uh, get him to listen to the last two minutes of our podcast because he's not into sports. Stuff. But anyway. anyway. Yeah. That a guy. Uh, guy. Right, you right, got Johnny happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and don't forget to root against Connect, the Cowboys uh, on Thanksgiving because that's just what we do. Amen. Till the next podcast, go birds. This has been the Brother Love Podcast for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell.